0: Well, we're gonna try this again for the third time. So, hi, my name is Reverend Shannon Blosser. I'm the pastor here at Peerage United Methodist Church. And obviously, we've had a day. We've had a day of differing issues left and right. It's gonna be a Pentecost that we will remember. Obviously, we just tried to do this video a few minutes ago. Obviously, I forgot to turn on the sound. And forgot to put on my microphone and all of that. So I apologize. We'll delete that video a little bit later. So, hi. Let's try this again. Got my sound on, powered up. Going to try this. So, my name is Reverend Shannon Blosser. I'm the pastor here at Peter Janai Methodist Church. We come to worship on this Pentecost Sunday, and obviously, as we've talked about, it's been a day. It's been a very hard and difficult day. We had a situation earlier in worship that required us to stop worship early. We had an unfortunate situation borderlining on a very inappropriate situation where someone was trying to take over the worship service in kind of hold it hostage for his own uh, needs, his own conspiracy theories, his own uh, anger, hurt thoughts, what have you. Unfortunately, for the first time in my ministry, I've been doing this now since 2009. For the first time that I can remember, I've ever had to ask someone to leave worship. It was a very hard thing to do, but a very important thing to do. As we... Shared after church, uh, no one in the sanctuary was ever going to be at at threat. Me, different story. Um, He had a lot of hurt towards the church, and as the pastor of the church, it was going to be directed towards me if anything was going to happen. Everyone is safe. Everyone is home. Everyone is okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to going home and hugging my kids and my wife, but I believe this is important. We did not finish the sermon today. Obviously, we were halfway through the sermon when everything happened. And I decided as your pastor that we're not in the best place to worship. And we just need to go home and try it again next week. And so that was what we did. We prayed for the gentleman. We had some other prayer requests that popped up. We prayed for those as well. And we sung We Are the Church and called it a day. So that's where we are right now. We're going to try again to do the sermon. We're going to try again to just be in present with each other uh, and experience this grace with each other to hear what God has for us on this day. So I invite you to hear this word from Acts 2. But before that, let's pray. Holy God, we come to you again. It's been a day, God. It's been a day. We ask for your peace to be upon us as we come to worship you. Through Christ we pray. Amen. I invite you to hear this word from Acts chapter 2, 1 through 13. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Pargea, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. When we worshiped last together, which might seem a little odd to say that right now, but when we worshiped together last week, we talked about how the disciples were with Jesus at the Mount of Olives and they were celebrating God. They had spent some time teaching. They had spent some time worshiping. They had spent some time with Christ as the resurrected Lord. And as he ascended to heaven, they were excited. They were praising God. And Jesus ascended telling them that wait into Jerusalem, wait for this moment, wait to hear God's word to wait and to hear God's movement. And so they waited with excitement. They waited with hope. They waited with this desire to yearn for God. Waited with a sense of hope. So they came. They waited in Jerusalem. And as we shared in in, in our first time of trying to share this sermon, we said that the first thing they did was as a good Methodist, they had a committee meeting. And they decided to appoint a new apostle, believing that they needed to have 12 once more. So Judas had already left the group after betraying Jesus. So they had n- named a new one. This guy was by the name of Matthias. So they had their 12 lockstep again with each other. But then it wasn't just these 12 that were together with them. There was about 120 that were in the upper room with them each week, each day, praying, worshiping yearning, waiting on God. 120 people that included people like Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea, and perhaps even Nicodemus too. People who had followed Jesus, perhaps had came and experienced him and yearned for his presence. Waiting on what God would do, waiting on the promise that God had given them of the Holy Spirit, God's presence, God's empowering work in their life. But it wasn't just the 120 that were filling the streets of Jerusalem waiting. They were also gathered by this crowd. Crowds had gathered because it was time for another festival. Three times a year, the Jewish people would travel into Jerusalem for a festival, a celebration. The first one of those is the one of Passover, the celebration of God's story of redemption of the people of Israel. You would come and celebrate the Passover to remember that God redeemed the people out of Egyptian slavery and passed over them, calling them into being a new people. There was also another festival called the Festival of the Tabernacles or the Festival of the Booths, where you would bring in your harvest but also celebrate the wilderness experience. You would celebrate by remembering being in the wilderness in that time of yearning and waiting and anticipating God, wanting God to be at present and work and the sustaining love and the sustaining grace and provisions of God. There was this other festival in the middle, one of the three required festivals to come to every year to Jerusalem, known as Sukkot. It was the festival of the weeks. It typically took place about 50 days after the Passover where you would come with your first fruits of the harvest. those first fruits that come off of our garden that we get so excited about that when we see them, we know that we're going to have a good crop. When that first fruit came, you would go to Jerusalem. You would offer it to God as an act of thanksgiving to say thank you, God, for the bounty that was to come. But it was also a time to remember that God had given the people the law, especially after the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD, about the time when Luke is writing Luke and Acts. We see Jesus, or we see the the Pharisees, I should say, lead the people into seeing the the festival of the Sukkot as a time to remember God's law. And this was already starting to develop a little bit in the time of Jesus, but you see it fully develop after, after the temple had kind of, fallen in, with the fall of Jerusalem to the Romans. But you see, this is a time to remember God's law, that God had given them, the people the law, gave Moses, breathed into that, that people with his word and grace and calling them to be holy. The Greek word that we use for this season is called Pentecost, 50 days, meaning 50. The season to remember God breathing life and law and love into his people was the time in which the disciples were gathered in that upper room waiting for God to breathe in on them. Just as we gather now in our homes to anticipate God moving in us, we celebrate at this Pentecost day, this Pentecost Sunday, this day that we remember as the dawning of the church. We celebrate this day as the birth of the church, but perhaps it is more accurately known as the continuation of God's holy story in our lives. I'm forever influenced by a professor of mine in seminary that talked about the story of God as a drama, a drama in which we are all participants in to give honor and glory to God. He talked about how the the first act of the drama is creation, the story of creation, the story of Adam and Eve and Noah and the formation of this world out of nothing. The second act being the people of Israel, of how God formed the people, Moses and David, the Israelites and others as a people of promise and a people of hope. The story of the prophets and the Psalms and the writing. The third act is the story of Jesus as the Messiah for all, the one who came to redeem and to restore the people to call us to a new life, to call us to a new sense of holiness, to call us to see Christ as Lord. The fourth act is the act of the church. The ongoing witness of Jesus Christ in a broken and hurting world, that is who we are today, living in this fourth act. And it all started because of what took place in the upper room. What took place in that moment when God began to do something unexpected, amongst these 120 people who were just waiting on what God was going to do. So eventually they experienced God's presence and movement. They felt the breath of wind, the movement of God's wind brushing in and blowing into the community, filling up that whole space with the presence of God that same kind of presence that we feel today when you feel goosebumps on your arm, when you feel like someone is right behind you. That feeling when you know that you're not alone. They felt that presence. And they felt something like flames of fire, perhaps like the flames that we see on our banners in behind me fell upon them and filled them in their hearts to where they knew God was there. You see those symbols of wind and fire have always been symbols of God's spirit and God's presence, of God's movement. So what we see in this Pentecost moment is the movement of God to awaken the church to empower it, to breathe into it, to lead it to being the people of God. To being the people of hope. To being a people that will seek to be the living witness of God. That spark, that moment in that upper room started a worldwide movement on which you and I are still the part of in which God is breathing into our lives still today, empowering us to be the church, empowering you to live faithfully, empowering us to stay committed, helping us to shout out with hope and to shout out with joy all that God is doing in our lives. When God's Spirit falls upon us, it moves us, it shapes us, in a new way. It empowers us to be God's people. And the, those 120 people that were in that upper room, they felt it immediately. They felt what God's spirit does in our hearts when it moves in and has its being amongst us. You see, they felt it in worship. They felt that they could do nothing else but worship and praise God Their acts that they do in that upper room is a simple act of worship, of saying, God, we love you. God, we worship you. God, we adore you. How great you are. Worshiping and singing and praising God in community with one another because of all that God was doing in their life and in that community in the world. You see, when you and I are overwhelmed by that sense of God's presence, We just want to worship God. We just want to experience God. We just want to love and share and shout to the rooftops, God, you are holy. You are holy. But we also see it in a sense of growth. I'm not talking about the numerical growth we see at the end of the story and at the end of Acts chapter two, when we see that Peter preached and 3000 came to faith becoming the first person to ever make every pastor jealous. But we're talking about the type of growth where you and I know that God loves us. The type of growth that John Wesley experienced in his Aldersgate moment. The kind of grace where we know God's grace is there. God's transforming power is there. And helping us to know that God loves us And that we love God. They knew in that moment, those 120 apostles, those 120 disciples, that God was there. That God loved them. And that God was leading them, empowering them to be the church. But we also see that they were sent out to witness as soon as they start worshiping, as soon as they start realizing who God is in their life, it impacts others. Other people start to experience and see it for themselves what God is doing and in their own language. We have this large group of people that know that God is there and feel God's presence and they feel it in the way that reaches them. You see, God's Spirit moves in us and helps us to reach out to others in ways that meet them, in ways that connect to them and can share the love of God in ways that they can hear it and that they can appreciate and hold on for themselves. The Spirit moves And has its being within us. And it overwhelmed the disciples and overwhelmed the whole community. And it began with that spark. That moment. That time of grace. God is still breathing and igniting a spark in us. One of the things I hope that you have heard me say over the last few years together is that God's not done with us. And the reason why I think God is not done with us is because I do not believe that God has ever stopped breathing or pouring out his spirit upon us. I think every day God breathes his life and his spirit upon us. You and me and this world and our church, every day God pours his presence upon us pouring out his spirit of hope and truth in us to enable us to worship, not just in worship where we sing, holy, 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 but we sing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I'm not going to sing for you because I'd love you enough to not sing on this moment. We've had enough today. But to worship in deep, powerful ways happens when we feel God's presence. When we feel God's presence in our lives, it ignites us. It it erupts in our hearts a knowledge that God is at work. And it pours into our hearts a desire to tell others about God in ways that can manifest in their life the presence of God. God's still breathing, God is still speaking. God is pouring into you and in your life, empowering you to know that God loves you, empowering you to know that you can be faithful, empowering you to know that you can share hope with others, and empowering us as a church to be faithful. Do you feel it? Do you feel that breath? Do you feel that power? Do you want to feel that power? Do you want that feeling to know that God is breathing on you? I want that every day. And I hope you do too. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your hope and we give thanks for your grace. Pour your spirit upon us so that we may know your love. Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. It's good to be with you today. This is going to be a Pentecost I'm sure none of us will ever forget. Know that I love you. Know that I care for you. Know that I will always try to protect you. I may not always be perfect. I may not always be the best pastor. Maybe not even the best preacher. But I hope you know I love you. God bless you, and may his face shine upon you. Amen.